0: everybody and welcome to another episode of God is not a theory with Ken Fish. I'm your host Grant Pemberton and on today's episode we have a uh, very special guest uh, with us in the house Chris Reed uh, from Morningstar who is now uh, I believe the lead uh, pastor of Morningstar and all of that. We're really excited uh, to, uh, to be here. It's a, it's a pretty timely um, podcast as well as he's uh, released the dream uh, this week that uh, that I'm sure a lot of people are, are talking about and thinking about. So Ken, without further ado, would you like to introduce uh, our guest today?
1: Yeah, so I'm really happy to have Chris on the show. We've, uh, we've wanted to do this for a while anyway, and events have conspired to make now the time, and so that's really good. Chris and I were first introduced about, I think it was two years ago, it was in the middle of COVID um, in the summer, and we're, we're getting near the summer, so we're, we're nearing two years. Um, since that time we have spent um, a reasonable amount of time together in different locations and I've gotten to know Chris and his, uh, his character as well as his gift and his family and uh, we've become pretty good friends and so I'm really happy to, to welcome you to the show Chris so we can talk about this dream and kind of what's going on in the wider world of the prophetic and what are the implications of all of this for where do we go from here.
2: Yeah, well, Ken, it's good to be with you today, uh, both of you, and excited to finally make this happen, and it's it's my pleasure to, to be on here with you.
1: Well, why don't we start out by um, just giving a, a quick synopsis here, fill in as you want to, but, you know, you were pastoring for a number of years in Indiana, and in Peru, Indiana, and we had lunch up there one day. I, I was in, in in Indy, and I drove up, and we ate and talked, and you showed me your church, But you were actually at that time just just in the process of the front end of uh, of relocating to South Carolina. And you're now um, I I believe it's the newly appointed president or president elect or some title like that of Morningstar Ministries. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I am um, serving as uh, president, um, co-president or what's the best way to say it. you know, just just appointed while I'm still learning. I'm in the driver's seat with Rick uh, until he kind of uh, feels like that it's secure. But yeah, acting president, that's the best title for it. But yeah, I am officially acting president of Morningstar Ministries and the uh, lead pastor of the Morningstar Fellowship Church there in Fort Mill. All right. So um, you, you're in the Morningstar
1: mix, and Morningstar has been a place of prophets, and prophetic ministry for many, many years. Um, Many certainly regard Rick himself as a prophet. He's he's a writing prophet, I think, more than anything, but he certainly ministers in other dimensions prophetically. Uh, It was a place that was a, a home and a refuge for quite a few key prophetic ministers back in the 1980s and 90s and into the early years of this, well, I don't know whether to say century or millennium, uh, but Bob Jones was there for a while. Larry Randolph is known to uh, you know, go through there. Uh, Paul Kane lived there for a while. So Morningstar has been a, a very uh, strong hotbed of the prophetic. And I, I mean, I've never actually asked you this question, but I think part of why Rick was drawn to you and felt that the Lord wanted you to be the new leader of it is you bring kind of a fresh what do you want to say a fresh invigoration or infusion, or I don't know, gen two of the prophetic move. Um, do you want to comment on that at all?
2: Sure. Well, first off, I, I would agree. Um, I think, uh, the, the longer I've got to know him, I have, uh, as far as alive, Rick is probably one of the ones that I trust the most when he gets revelation. I'm, I'm very, you know, as far as the events or from the word of the Lord, I have great confidence in in him as a man and him as a prophetic voice. And yes, Bob Jones was there. And, you know, it really was um, Morningstar has kind of been one of the, um, I guess you might say that the focus of the ministry really was the prophetic and and worship. And a lot of, you know, well-known worship leaders and singers have come out of there as well as. Uh, ministries and prophetic voices. and But you know, Ken, you're not too bad yourself. You're pretty prophetic. And, and uh, you got the healing mix and the um, deliverance mix. And I'm not just saying this uh, for flattery, but you really are um, like top five as far as people that I not, not in like a certain two, three, or four, number four, but I mean, just people that I really have confidence in that, that your gift, your walk with the Lord, your integrity, your, your preaching ministry, I mean, you got the full package. And I think, um, I, I told somebody just this the other day, I said, you're like, you're, you're not a secret. I Obviously, you're well-known in, in the circles that you run in, but you're like the best kept secret in some camps of the charismatic movement. <laughs> seriously. And I say that with endearment, you know, it's, it's not that I don't recognize your accomplishment, all that you've done, but I, I think that you're an a hitter and I, I don't understand why some maybe haven't seen that, or maybe, you know, your, your ministry style is somewhat like mine and not everybody wants to hear uh, certain things. So, but I I truly appreciate and honor you as well, and and um, you're you're up there at the top in my mind, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Very kind of you.
1: It's kind of embarrassing actually to hear you say all that. But uh, anyway, lest I turn red on screen, why don't we uh, move on to your dream? So you went up to Moravian Falls with mm-hmm. your family, and just for those who don't know, Moravian Falls is across the border. It's in North Carolina, not South Carolina. I mean, in in many ways, it's a distinction without a meaning. But anyway, Moravian Falls has been known for many years as uh, what the Irish saints and mystics might have called a thin place. It's a place of revelation. Uh, Many, many people have had angelic encounters up there and more. Um, Ed Perez and I went up there, I can't remember now, might have been three years ago. And uh, we were talking with the potters And we walked into the kind of building that had been built there for, you know, when gatherings occur. And we walked in and I said, oh, Ed, do you see that there's a vergence between the two dimensions right there? He goes, no, I don't. I said, walk just right there. And he piled up right underneath the the exact zone. He said, how did you know that was there? I said, well, you can see it right here, but that's the nature of this place. Encounters are not rare. So you went up there. And while you were up there, apparently, I don't know if you did an angel bring you this dream or was it just a dream or, I mean, how did this unfold? But you had this dream and you've publicized it now and it's kind of gone viral, but for those who haven't heard it, why don't you give us a synopsis of the dream and some of its key points?
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Morningstar, of course, our main facility is Heritage Grand Hotel properties there in Fort Mill, but really one of our our base really is also up in Raven Falls. Morningstar has several properties up there. We have um, a lodge up there. We have a church up there. David White pastors the Morningstar Church there in Moravian Falls is a great man as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, I've went up there four or five times now since I've been coming around Morningstar. And, um, you know, people had been telling me about, hey, this place, Moravian Falls, the Moravians came over here In the 1700s, 1800s, they had a hundred year long day and night prayer meeting 24 hours a day and it opened a portal there and Bob Jones found it by revelation. And that's how they all ended up there. And, you know, the whole story about angelic encounters and all of that. And so I'd went up there four or five times and I mean, I felt peaceful there, but I didn't have any encounters. And I'm like, and I told the Lord before I went up there on this trip, honestly, I said, (laughs) you know, Lord, I'm kind of jealous. Like, you know, I've heard. Of Rick joyner and and all of these different ones that have had these great experiences up there. I just said, you know, I just love to hear from you. I'd love to encounter you. And so we go up there, uh, and on March 24th, 2022 is Thursday evening, I believe. And then uh Friday morning, the 25th of March is when I had the dream. I was ministering at our church there in Moravian Falls that weekend. And then we had our annual Morning Star Leadership retreat up there at our our lodge up there. Well, anyway. So uh, I wake up early on March 25th from this dream, very, very vivid. I'll read you the dream and then I'll give you um, quickly. Um, so, Rick Joyner and our team here, we have a great team here, uh, felt like we came away with an interpretation or at least a partial interpretation. You know, the scripture says we know in part and we prophesy in part. Never, I don't think, should we prophesize if we have the whole, you know, I may get a part, you may get a part, somebody else may get a part, but when we come together, uh, I think we have a better picture, but here's the dream, and then I'll kind of go back through, just make some of the main points, and then just, you know, turn it back, or if anytime you want to interrupt me, go ahead, but so in the dream, uh, I saw an un- unknown man dressed in a black suit, holding a $50 bill. And in the dream, he tore he tears the $50 bill in three stages in the first stage of the dream. He stands in front of me. He takes the $50 bill and tears off one third of it. And as he did, uh, random people started walking up to me and handing me newspapers. And all I could see on the newspapers were the headlines and The first headline read, quote, the dollar drops 30% in value, subtitle, Mid-East oil strikes deal with China instead of the U.S. Another headline was handed to me. Another person came up and handed me the headline. By the time I would finish reading one, you know, they'd bring up another, another person would bring up a headline. The second headline said, the perfect storm, inflation reaches a new high. I was then handed another headline, which read, quote, food shortage crisis as wheat and bread imports are at a stalemate, unquote. I was then handed another headline, which read, quote, riots and civil unrest as citizens demand entitlement checks, unquote. In the second stage of the dream, again, I see the man dressed in the black suit holding the rest of the $50 bill. And this time he tore it in half. As he did, I felt an earthquake underneath my feet and a person walked up and handed me another headline, which read, quote, Israeli and Palestinian two state solution reached, unquote. Another person handed me another headline, which read, quote, major earthquake hits the middle of the U.S., unquote. In the third stage of the dream, the man in black took the rest of the $50 bill and started tearing it into smaller pieces, one by one. A person walked up and handed me another headline, which read, quote, America in pieces, subtitled more states secede from the nation in rebellion to the federal government, unquote. And I was then handed another headline, which which read, quote, U.S. military takes charge as uncertainty looms over the federal government. Okay, in the fourth stage, the final stage of the dream, the man in the black suit took out what looked like a new $1 bill, but it also somehow looked like a cell phone. The $1 bill somehow was like a cell phone. I actually saw George Washington's face on it, but it looked very different, and as I looked, Someone handed me another newspaper. Its headlines read, quote, new currency for a renewed nation, unquote. The last headline was then handed to me, which read, quote, simplicity restored as Americans grow their own food again, unquote. Now, I will say, you know, that there are some elements in this that are, you know, they're troubling to read. Um, I get that, but I do believe that there is redemption in this dream, as far as the restoration of our nation is what it seems like. The restoration of America after this time of great turbulence, they reemerge, and the way I it sees the way I see it, the one dollar bill, this new currency. I don't know if it's meaning maybe a, a digital currency because it was like a cell phone but the fact that it was the $1 bill and it had George Washington's face on it seemed to say to me the nation would reemerge one, unified, back on the foundation of our founding fathers, George Washington, of course, who was our first president. So now let me just, if it's all right, I'll go back. I'll give you the interpretation uh, of each section, and then I certainly don't want to take all the time, but The man in black, the unknown man dressed in the black suit who holds the $50 bill. There's a few possible uh, parts to this. Uh, Some of them may be completely credible. Some I'm not sure, but this was our team's evaluation. Uh, Johnny Cash, coincidentally, was known as the man in black, hence his last name, Cash. And he was known as the man in black. Now, I am not saying this man was Johnny Cash at all. But the $50 bill is, of course, cash. And Johnny Cash, actually, one of his more famous songs, he talked about that he dressed in black to represent a mourning for the moral and spiritual depravity of of his nation. And also felt the $50 bill represented the 50 states. Mm -hmm. 50 is also the number of the Jubilee in Scripture. Um, At the end of every 50 year um, jubilee process, every 50 years in Hebrew culture, if you lost your land, you got it back. If you were put into slavery to work off a debt, you were freed from slavery. If you were, you know, if you lost your property, you got it back. If you were in debt, it was wiped away. So I think the 50 also is tied to considering how the dream ends, it seems as if there was a jubilee of some sorts a renewing, a reset, a fresh start for the nation. Now, the first headline, the dollar drops 30%, Mideast oil strikes deal with China. The fact of the matter is, Ken, um, the U.S. dollar is no longer being backed by anything but trust in the U.S. government. That's just a fact. It's and not that big- isn't
1: a new development either. That's been going on since the Bretton Woods Monetary Agreement in 1973, where Richard Nixon took the US off the gold standard. Yep. So this is, this is effectively about it. Well, we're in 22 now. So it's been about a 50 year movement away from the dollar to, to what they call a fiat currency. And uh, that, I, I mean, c- economists and politicians have spent a lot of time talking about this Many of our listeners wouldn't be aware of this because, in general, Christians don't follow economics and politics at this level. Of course, there's always some who do, but many do not. Um, but I'll just say this: um, <clears throat> the what you just said. The, in fact, this isn't actually even new news, and so in that sense, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be controversial or surprising.
2: Right. Well, anyways. You know, in light of the recent ineptness of our current US government leaders on economic issues, I think we're beginning to see a worldwide flight towards a more economic world leader. One of the prophecies that the Lord gave me at the beginning of the year was that China, for a time, would emerge as the world superpower. I didn't share this part then when I shared this, but I actually, in the vision, saw American young people using Chinese lingo. Um, I know that sounds strange, but it just seemed like they're for a period in this vision that China really uh, became the superpower temporarily. Well, anyway, what's interesting is, you know, China is now backing Um, Russia, or really one of the main nations backing Russia. And there really does seem to be almost like this axis of evil with, you know, Russia, China, and Iran, the Middle East, you know, with oil and all of that. Well, regardless, I think there is a potential serious devaluing of the U.S. dollar. But people need to pray about that. Um, the next line, inflation reaches uh, a new high. I mean, the fact is inflation right now is at a 40-year high. And the, right. the fact of the matter is is we are at over $30 trillion in debt now. We cannot continue to sustain adding another 5 to $10 trillion of debt to our national debt every five or 10 years that is not sustainable. That's correct. That's right. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning for this. No one, I mean, it is totally irresponsible. Politicians are just blowing through money as if it's theirs, you know, to spend. And, and the fact is, is, you know, this whole idea of an economic collapse or a recession or depression seems unrealistic to us in the West in America because we're like, oh, you know, this could never happen. You know, we've, this is the America we've always known. Well, the truth is, is it was less than a hundred years ago. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, uh, the great depression happened, the stock market crashed. And here's another interesting point. I'll just throw this in. I found this out. This, in fact, I think it was uh, Chuck Pierce that pointed this out, but do you know the $50 bill um, it's interesting on the back of the bill was put the U S Capitol on the back of the bill. And that happened in the year, 1929. Interesting. I don't know if there's a connection or not, but you know, I don't want to overreach by any means. I think there's enough here, but regardless, um, the next headline, um,
1: let me just interrupt you for a second chris because i want to add a little bit of interpretation here um many of our listeners know this but not all of them do that before i was a full-time minister i was a part-time minister and with the other part of my time i was a business executive i have an mba from a you know well when i got it it was a top 10 business school uh, in the united states i don't know if it's still in that position or not but anyway and uh, I've worked in the financial markets. I've been a corporate executive. And, you know, I've been trained uh, in some of the disciplines of uh, financial analysis and econometrics. Now, you know, that's, that's the other side of me that most people aren't aware of and don't see much of these days, except now and then it'll creep out. And, you know, when you, when you had that headline about a 30% devaluation in the dollar, the inflation rate in 2021 was nearly 10%. I mean, in certain areas of the economy, certain commodities, it was well over 10%, but the blended average rate that's reported by our government is a little below that. But that inflationary trend is continuing in 2022, and um, there's no reason to suppose that it's going to end in 2023 unless somehow between them, the president and the federal reserve begin to exercise a degree of restraint that we're not accustomed to seeing. And I might add to that, by the way, that for that to occur would would almost certainly throw the United States into a rather deep economic recession slash depression. Depends on how deep it is and what you believe about the deflationary end of that. And I'm talking about these things kind of in summary because I don't want to take the podcast into into a lesson in economics, but I am using this language because this is the language that professionals use when they describe this stuff. But the net effect of it is that um, in between where we are now and where we were last year, it's conceivable that the the cumulative inflationary rate uh, by the end of 2022, so this year, eight months out from now as we make this podcast in April, it's conceivable. I'm not saying this will happen, but without even prognosticating or forecasting or saying, thus saith the Lord, a a cumulative inflation over that two-year period of 2021 and 2022 in the range of 20% is not out of the question. And if it were to continue into 2023, just the combined effect of all that would mean something like a 30% inflation. Well, one of the ways you measure the value of a dollar or any other currency is using something known as PPP or purchasing power parity. And if prices have gone up, let's say by 30% by the end of 2023, that would be the same as devaluing our dollar by 30%. And I could conceive of a headline in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or the Washington Post that says something like this, in uh, um, dollar devalued 30%. And everyone would go, what? And of course that's the teaser line. So everybody will dive into the article and read about it. And then they would unpack it. Well, because of this, you know, three years of inflation compound effect from 2021 through 2022 into 2023, the purchasing power parity of the dollar has declined by 30%. That is a completely believable scenario, and you don't have to have your hair on fire and be some doom and gloom prophet uh, to say that that might happen. Now, will it happen? I don't know, but as I said at the front end of this, it would take an unusual amount of discipline out of our president, out of this Congress, and out of the Federal Reserve for that not to happen, given the trajectory we're on right
2: now. And considering, I agree, and considering the COVID spending, uh, considering, um, the food
1: infrastructure bill,
2: the infrastructure bill, the food chain shortages we've already had, you know, the, 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 um, it's just, so, so less I digress, I'll, I'll move on. The next headline was food shortage crisis as wheat and bread imports are at a stalemate. You know, President Biden actually finally admitted when he was in Poland, there will be food shortages. He actually said that. And I know Rick, uh, for instance, has been warning about this for uh, over a decade now. But here's the interesting thing. This whole Ukrainian war, Russian-Ukrainian war, a lot lot of people don't know this. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. And another thing people don't know It's the breadbasket of much of the world. The U.S. imports much of its wheat from Ukraine. If there's war going on and the normal growing season is interrupted, I mean, you know, you can just see how it could affect food supplies. The next headline, riots and civil unrest as citizens demand entitlement checks. Here's the fact of the matter. Can you imagine that this is, this is true. Nearly half of Americans are dependent upon the government programs of some kind.
1: Yeah. That is,
2: that's not conspiracy. That's just a fact. If half or about half of Americans are dependent upon some form of government assistant assistance and the government no longer has the wisdom or the resources to meet the demands or to supply people with, you know, welfare food stamps or those kind of things. I mean, there would be rioting that would ensue from that if people's food or food stamps were cut. I mean, people would go into a level of desperation that I, I don't see this all happening in a day. It's one thing that leads to another. It's like an oil deal that was made with China from the Middle East instead of the U.S. seemed to be a triggering event. And here's the thing, Ken, I'm sure you're aware of this, but when this oil thing, this recent thing started happening in light of the Russian-Ukrainian war, it's really interesting that President Biden called Saudi Arabia. And it was all over the news. They sent him to voicemail. They didn't even take his call. So that's um, crazy. That's crazy. They wouldn't take his exactly, and of course, he's not been uh, Biden or the Democratic Party is is sympathetic or in any way to oil to the oil industry. So it stands the reason they probably would ignore his call because he was calling them. I mean, basically, Biden was willing to turn to despots and. And Venezuela and Iran to help us get oil instead of reopening up back here in America. I mean, that is a level of insanity. But lest we get down a rabbit trail, um, I'll finish this. The next headline Israeli and Palestinian two state solution reached. Rick Joyner said, Bob Jones warned years ago, the Lord showed him. When the U.S. tried to pressure Israel to give up more land for peace, that 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 that, we, that when America, if they was to divide or force a a loss of land um, or dividing up of the land, that the new Madrid fault line in the middle of the U.S. would be set off for a major earthquake. I'm just telling you, this is a this is an actual, you know. Rec- recorded word that Bob Jones had, which led to the next headline, which seemed to be connected to this, seemed to be major earthquake hits the middle of the U.S. Um, well, remember he tore off one third. Then there were headlines he tore it in half, and that was tied. Then the uh, the Palestinian uh, Israeli two-state solution reached, and the country is split in half by some kind of earthquake. I'm not saying. It would literally be split. I'm just referencing that there would be a significant earthquake. Then uh, in the third stage, um, you know, he started tearing off the rest of the bill in pieces. And it said in the headline given to me, America in pieces, more states secede from the nation in rebellion to the federal government. You know, the American people. Uh, And many state government leaders know the policies of our federal government have led to the crisis of tearing our country apart. Our nation is already split down the middle, metaphorically. That's correct. Um, And every presidential election is just two or three percentage points change changes who is in office. Um, But I know that. um, other prophetic voices. I know Chuck Pierce. I know Rick Joyner uh, have actually had visions of something something to do with the southern border. I know Rick had a dream in 2018 where, when the American people found out the level of evil that our government was allowing through the southern border, not now. That's not saying all people that are crossing over are evil. Some are just trying to, you know, get in because they want a better life, but There'd be some mixing in with those people that if the American people found out what the federal government was allowing in Rick Joyner's dream, that the the Lord showed him that there would be states who would distance themselves from the federal government and some kind of breaking up of states based on at least a temporary thing, more in alignment with one another, uh, with uh, you know particular values. I know Chuck Pierce said yesterday to me that um, that uh, the Lord showed him that there would be 21 sheep states at max 23. Mm. So that's that's what the Lord showed him. I'll finish this quickly. Um, U.S. military takes charge as uncertainty looms over the federal government. In 1987, Rick was first shown something that seemed to agree with this. And the Lord told Rick in the encounter to start praying for this military leader, um, you know, that would basically help restore the Republic and the Constitution to being the supreme law of the land. And to pray that the martial law would not last long, but he was told, pray for the right marshal. That's what the Lord, this was in 1987, so he was prophesying this. 35 years ago, Um, the fourth stage and final stage, the man in black took out the $1 bill with George Washington's face on it. That was like a cell phone and um, a new currency for a renewed nation. Um, It seems like that is speaking, you know, to a Jubilee that somehow there was such a devaluing of our currency that somehow it reemerged with some kind of new currency um, and then simplicity restored as Americans grow their own food again. You know, there wasn't, it was 80 years ago when um in World War II Americans grew what were known as victory gardens. Mm-hmm. This was a very common thing. Uh, when the Allied nations <laughs> grew so much food in their own backyards, most farms were devoted to feeding the troops. And so it was a matter of survival um so basically that that summarizes the dream but you know like i said this the idea of of if you would have if we would have told people 3 years ago this is april of 22 how many people that do not want to ever believe warning prophecies or that something bad could happen that we need to be prepared for and like i've said you don't need to be in fear if you're prepared you know that's that's what gets rid of any fear is preparation, but who would have ever imagined in April 22, if somebody would have said there'll be a once in a 100 year worldwide pandemic hit a year from now, and the whole world will be shut down for over a year. How many people would have believed that? They, they, many of the people would have said something like, you're a doom and gloom prophet. <laughs> You know I mean, seriously, if somebody would have said that, you know they would have just seen that that was inconceivable, but it happened, and I think things are escalating um God's not done with America, I think that there's still promises on this nation, but there's got to be some kind of of difficulty, and the Lord works through difficulty. Some of the greatest revivals in history have began in times of great persecution, great distress, great financial calamity. Um, The church grew the most in the first century when all of the apostles were were suffering martyrdom, and the thing that gets me, and I'll stop with this, I'm not telling, I'm not, I don't, I'm just sharing my dream, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I do believe it was a dream from the Lord. I think I'm interpreting it right. But I I will say that I'm genuinely concerned that people are in denial that, you know, without us even prophesying martyrdom or persecution, which my dream didn't really, really speak to that are we really better than the apostles when 11 out of 12 of them were put to death? This whole, you know, prophetic stream that says, you know, God's people will never go through any kind of difficulty or, or, I mean, this that's frankly, that's delusional and that's non-historical and it's, it's clearly coming from a, um, a Western American complacency, life of op, land of opportunity mindset that can envision difficulty because most of us have never really seen it.
1: I I agree with everything you're saying, and <clears throat> I want to circle back to something you mentioned. I don't know. I I wasn't paying particularly close attention, but perhaps ten minutes ago, um, you know, in, in the 1920s. We're in the, the 2020s, and I'm not making a mistake on my dates here. In the 1920s, that era was known uh, variously as the Gilded Age, and which gilded means covered in gold. And it was also known as the Roaring Twenties. And during that period of time, uh, you know, the stock market could seemingly do nothing but go up, up, up. And the stock market, for the most part, has pretty much been behaving this way, We had a bit of a divot at the very front end of COVID as people became concerned, but it it recovered extremely rapidly from that. And and in general, the stock market over the last 30 years has tended to recover very rapidly from anything that would have frightened it and caused a sell-off. But we had a very rapid recovery. And right alongside of the stock market, we've seen the emergence of the cryptocurrency markets, which... Again, there's been some reset in in that, Um, you know, Bitcoin was kind of the bellwether of the whole sector. And it recently went through something of a sell-off, but there's no denying that nevertheless, even with the sell-off, Bitcoin and all the other ones that go with it, Ethereum and so on, we don't need to sit here and, you know, name cryptos, but... All of these have gone up and to the right, up and to the right. By the way, for those who don't know this term, up and to the right is a term that is used in uh, business briefings and boardrooms. You always put time on the bottom axis of the graph, And then on the y-axis, you put the valuation. So up and to the right means the further to the right you go, the further up you go on the y-axis, the higher the numbers get. And people refer to this when they're forecasting sales or the level of the stock market, or whatever so it's been up and to the right up and to the right, well, in that sense, whether you 're talking stocks or you're talking cryptos which didn't exist a hundred years ago, uh, what we have is kind of a raging bull market for everything, and no, nobody needs to even comment on the value of houses these days and how they've skyrocketed in part because of this great uh, pool of liquidity that's out there that's inflating the value of real assets. This is also why we've seen the kind of price performance we've seen in gold and other commodities. So um, with all of that, we, we just might be in a position almost to replicate what we saw in the 1920s in the 2020s. And if the timeline were to stay approximately true to what we saw then, The 29 stock market crash was what ended all of that. And then we entered into the Great Depression. And there's absolutely nothing that says we couldn't have another depressionary type situation in the Western economies. Now they're much more linked today than they used to be, Uh, but but actually most of the Western world was dragged down in the Great Depression. And it was out of all of that that the emergence of Adolf Hitler came. And there were some other factors. I don't want to oversimplify this. I'm aware of the other factors, but I'm just trying to point out a couple of key markers for those who don't know history, don't know economics, um, and and just help them to see some parallels. If you want to know more about it, there's plenty of books on it. There's been lots that you could read. but, But the bottom line is that kind of economic difficulty paved the way for a despotic leader like an Adolf Hitler. And it, it is interesting to me that we've seen some other parallels in our, in our era now to the 1920s. Uh, there was a major war in Europe in the 1914 to 1918 timeframe. We call it World War I. At the time, they didn't know there'd be a World War II, so they called it the Great War. Uh, but the result of the Great War was that um, England took on so much debt in defending or fighting that war that ultimately the, the pound sterling, which was backed by uh, government issued bonds that they called gilts. So again, there's that word, gold backed bonds. The uh, the pound sterling and the gilt market became worthless and England, which up till that time had been the predominant empire of the world. And this is all fact checkable. No, nobody needs to doubt what I'm saying. Um, basically the whole thing fell apart in in the wake of World War One, and it 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 took a while, but it ultimately led to the breakup of the British Empire, which in many ways was a good thing. But uh, notwithstanding that, what it resulted in was that England was no longer this premier superpower uh, that it had been prior to all of these events. Similarly, but for completely different reasons, in Germany, in the in the 30s, as a result of these depressionary Uh, trends that I've just described, and of course, Hitler was rising during that period, the Reichsmark, which preceded the Deutschmark, which preceded the Euro, and I'm deliberately saying all that because you're talking about a new currency at the end of your dream, Uh, the Reichsmark became worthless, and Germany was the other major power in Europe. In fact, really, if you want to get ultra-simplistic and boil it down to just a couple of things, World War I was about England versus Germany. The French were involved to be sure, so were a number of other countries, but but at at the bottom line, it was England versus Germany. And the Reichsmark became so worthless that it literally took 1 trillion Reichsmarks to buy a loaf of bread. People would literally, literally go to the store with a wheelbarrow full of cash of these newly revalued Reichsmarks in order to buy bread again, this is fact checkable. I'm not being, a, you know, the sky is falling kind of prophet. I'm just reciting what happened in history less than 100 years ago. And in the end, they had to get rid of the Reichsmark because it was worthless. And, you know, people suffered great privation because of all this. And of course, after the Second World War, we, we emerged with this currency that was known as the Deutschmark. But it still had that word "mark" in its name, reflecting the the kind of continuation of the German uh, situation. And then, late in the 20th century, we had the creation of the euro, which basically swept up most of the currencies of Europe into one uh, unified currency. And uh, you know, the euro is roughly at parity with the dollar it, it trades a little bit at a premium to the dollar but it's 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 comparable and for what we're talking about it's close enough as they say it's close enough for government work um, but you know the economies of europe for the same reasons that our economy is under pressure are under pressure they they engaged in inflationary money printing to combat covid to give out unemployment benefits and, you know all these sorts of things <clears throat> and I I will just say this, I have contemplated this more than once, and I have wondered if we are set up almost perfectly to replicate the, uh, the, the events of the 20th century, and there are some important spiritual markers too. Uh, one of them is that in 1920, there was a split in the Protestant church, and it became known as the Fundamentalist-Modernist Controversy. Well, the fundamentalists believed the fundamentals of the faith, virgin birth, inerrancy of the Bible, bodily resurrection of Jesus, miracles of Jesus, um, you know that he is God as, as well as man. There's a bunch of these things that go with it, but I'm just giving some of the key ones again for summary. Well, that occurred in 1920 and in in 2017, so 97 years downrange from that split. And by the way, let me just back up to that again. When that happened, most of the conservatives left most of the major seminaries in the, in the United States and in other countries as well. And they formed new seminaries. One of the most visible and most obvious was when Princeton Seminary split and Princeton became a liberal seminary teaching liberal theology and J. Gresham machin and uh, some of some other uh, leaders from Princeton moved to Philadelphia and formed Westminster Theological Seminary to kind of hold the line on what we would today call conservative orthodoxy. Well, when this split occurred, we had uh, not only this fundamentalist modernist split, but interestingly and maybe tellingly, uh, the movement that was associated with these liberal churches And modern liberal Protestantism and virtually all of the mainstream denominations went in this direction. They all got engaged in what they called social action. Well, in 2020, we saw a split within the conservative and charismatic uh, church groups in the United States, and it was literally like a split down the middle, except now the language wasn't social action. It was Social justice. And so I was talking with a a, a major leader in the church about this, and I said, I think we are about to see, I said this in 2017, I think we are about to see a major split within American Protestantism and with it, Protestantism across the world. And it's going to look just like the 1920s. And I think it's going to occur on the 100th anniversary in 2020. Well, we get the George Floyd riots, we get this split, and suddenly, large swaths of American Protestantism are, as we say, woke, and as they have become that, now they're not doing social action, but they're all about social justice, and actually there's been a de-emphasis in the fundamentals of the faith in favor of this social justice emphasis. Now in fairness, and to be clear, social—you know, the idea of justice in our society is well embedded in the scripture. And there are multiple passages that make it clear that racism is not okay in any form. And there are multiple passages that make it clear that God is not at all in favor of societies that allow the rich to get richer and the poor to get poorer. So on the one hand, it's not entirely misplaced, but it is a bit like putting the caboose in front of the locomotive, or as we more commonly say, the cart in front of the horse. And so all these things are unfolding that in many ways mirror the 20th century except now we're in the 21st century and so with that i think i think we're actually somewhat rash at least not to consider the possibility that you know this this crazy thing of the 2020s might run out of steam somewhere near the end of this decade and we might find ourselves in the kinds of scenarios that you are describing there i'll give you a chance to comment
2: yeah absolutely uh, i agree and i tell you, I do think that this sets up for the end time revival. It's going to take something. Something is going to have to take away all of the distractions in our Western society that allows people to look to anything else but God. That's what's going to cause people to turn to the Lord is what it did back then. That's why we had such a renewal, you know, the post-World War II healing revival, you know, the William Branhams and the A. Allens and the Oral Roberts and, and all those guys came out of post-World War II, then the latter reign, the charismatic movement, re- renewal. Uh, and another thing, you know, to speak to what you're saying about how the 21st century seems to be almost exactly or very closely playing out, um, you know, to the to the 20th century, Another thing is in 1918 we had a worldwide pandemic just like we did in 2020.
1: Yes we did that's
2: correct. So you know the Spanish flu outbreak so I mean the parallels are striking. Yeah. And, and no and no one wants to believe I mean who wants to believe that you're Country is ever going to go through a time of difficulty like that, especially when you're not used to that. When you live in the land of prosperity and op- opportunity, it's hard to imagine a scenario. But we've never been. America's never been in a situation like we're in right now. We have inept leadership um, to a degree that I'm not sure we've ever had. We have the deba- the debacle of pull- pulling out of Afghanistan. Um, you know, and then you have another thing very similar to the 20th century, and I know the years don't match up exactly, but there was a World War I around 100 years ago, and it came out of Europe. And I'm not saying Russia and Ukraine is going to turn into a world war, but, um, I mean, we are seeing atrocities there like we haven't seen since the Second World War. I'm talking in a developed part of the world. Right. Um, and another thing that's worth pointing out is this whole idea that oh you know only speak positive, don't speak anything to bring fear or cause people that to think that a time of trouble or difficulty or tell that to the Ukrainian Christians in 2022. That's correct. You know, this arrogance of think well, God's blessed our nation because you know of our covenant our forefathers made and. Well, there's no doubt he has blessed our nation and I'm thankful that he has, but he also blessed Israel. Israel was his chosen nation and he allowed Rome to come in 40 years after Jesus's resurrection and plunder the place. 1 million Jews killed, 1 million led captive as slaves into all nations, his chosen blessed nation. I'm not saying it's going to happen here, I'm just simply saying to say that there could not be what has already happened here less than 100 years ago, what has already happened in other nations of the earth right now. It is an epitome of arrogance and total disconnection from reality to suggest America could not go through a time of great upheaval and difficulty.
1: Exactly. I I completely agree. So we're not we're not calling for doom on America. We no. love America. We want to see America blessed and thrive and prosper. But at the same time, when we look at biblical history, the things that brought Israel down, we can talk about the destruction of the temple, in, you know, under Nebuchadnezzar, what's generally known as first temple Judaism, or we can look at the destruction under <clears throat> second temple Judaism and, um, mostly this revolved around one single issue we forgot god yeah they, they did it in in one form in first temple judaism they did it in another form when they rejected jesus in second temple judaism but you know there there was a there was a kind of uh well corruption i mean <laughs> i think somebody got elected saying something about draining the swamp so you know we do have this kind of self-dealing. We do have this kind of corruption. We do have an open disregard for the ways of God going on in our country. And as you pointed out, in many cases, this is being pushed by the central power of the federal government. And, uh, you know, people, people are either numb to it and saying nothing, or they're actively embracing it and going for it and I, you know, I just, I, I worry because God is just, and he misses nothing. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the earth and he seeks those whose hearts are turned toward him. And when our hearts are not,
2: he notices that too. He does. And, you know, and Ken, there's other mixture that plays into this, you know, and I understand this is a whole other <laughs> can of worms and maybe we can have another discussion about this uh, extensively in the future, but there's other things that factor into why a word like this, which is a warning, which is, hey, don't be in fear. Don't get in fear. I repeat, don't get in fear. Be prepared, just like Jesus said, to make sure that those those days of testing and trouble don't take you unaware. We have other dynamics, even in the charismatic church, in their extreme forms, such as, as preterism that basically does not allow any kind of prophetic that warns of judgment, that warns not not God beating up his bride, but the Lord allowing difficulties to come to a nation, to to, to, to humble the nation, to lead them to repentance. And if you believe all prophecy is fulfilled, and the only thing left is for us to take over the world through the right political leader, then of course you don't want to believe that something bad could happen. But the fact of the matter is, I do believe we should vote. We should be involved in the process. I'm a conservative. I know everything about the Republican party is not right. Certainly everything about the democratic party is not (laughs) right. But, but, but the fact is, is yes, we are involved. Yes. We're engaged. Yes. We vote. Yes. A thousand times, a thousand times. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, is even if we elected the right president 10 more times in a row, it's still not going to fix everything. The king is coming. He's not coming to reform Babylon. He's coming to destroy Babylon and set up his own kingdom. He's not coming to reform the seven mountains. He's coming to destroy the seven mountain city. If you don't believe me, I know you do, but Revelation Revelation chapter 17 and 18, the city was seven hills, seven mountains. And so I, and I, and I don't want to speak against the idea that we're, that, you know, that there are certain groups, you know, business, economy, the church family, I get the categorizing of, you know, we're called to specific realms to influence, but but I think that even that teaching, which I accept, if it gets out in extreme form, then all that's left is for us to take over the world. And frankly, this is the theology that led to the Crusades, by and large.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And it was triggered by a you know sort of the need of the times because Islam was pressuring the West, and so there was a there was a response to that. Um, well as you say, this is a huge topic that, you know, could probably warrant another podcast or two. So we may may need to do that. I want to, uh, I want to return to just a couple of things though, before we, before we do close this up. Um, And I'm just looking at the notes I jotted down uh, in my, as you were going through your dream, you know, one of the other things that I certainly people have talked about this, whether it's going to occur or not, it's hard to be sure, but there has been some discussion of some sort of worldwide currency based upon some kind of, whether it's a multilateral agreement or possibly some, you know, supreme ruler of the entire earth. Some of this is what has made people suspicious of the United Nations for years. But I'll just say this history in, in at least my lifetime has shown us that, you know, most of the economies of Europe were willing to give up their own currencies for the sake of this new currency, the Euro. The British stood out and the Swiss have stayed out, but, but by and large Europe, all of them came in. There's a, there are these groups that they're somewhat secretive, but they're also sort of known. Uh, the Davos summit represents this. Uh, we've got these meetings of the g10 and g20 nations that occur from time to time and you always kind of mixed into that is the idea that possibly there might need to be some sort of universal currency for the earth and thus far that's not happened uh and so i'm again i'm not prophesying i'm just saying i want people to be aware that when they hear certain things it, 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 these, some of these things shouldn't necessarily be dismissed out of hand. They, you at least need to weigh them and understand the issues and the context well enough to develop an informed opinion. Because some people who participate in those kinds of groups, like Davos, like the G20 summit, um, some of them actually do want to see one currency. Of course, they always want their currency to be the one that predominates. There's there's a lot of negotiating that's going on behind the scenes that you never see, but um, but the point is there are people actually advocating for such things, and in a context like that, another possibility for you know when you when your dream closes and you're talking about a, a new currency for a new era. People have used the term "the Great Reset." There's been a lot of Christian preachers that have picked it up, trying to be uh, somehow culture current. But if if you actually read the writings of the people who are the thinkers, the movers and shakers within the uh, the money community, the financial markets, within the halls of power in the major nations of the world, that's not to discredit the lesser nations. It's just that. There's always some who have more money and more power. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. That's true of nations, just like it is of individuals. And so there are people, credible people, people with intention and plans, who they are calling this time that we are in the great reset. And they view it as an opportunity as Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago and later advisor to Barack Obama, famously said, never let a crisis go to waste. And so they are positioning and jockeying in this time. And so a new currency for a new, for a new America, I'm not saying it necessarily will mean that we end up on some wor- one world currency, but I'm also not saying you can, you, you can easily rule this out. It could never happen here because anytime people say it could never happen here, it ends up happening here.
0: Well, and I, just to add to that conversation, uh, Ken and Chris, I mean, you're talking about the U.S. dollar being a fiat currency and all of that. One of the big things that's keeping it propped up is what's called like the petrodollar, and, and it's, it's the currency used to value you know, all oil trade uh, all over the world. Well, right now, Saudi Arabia is entertaining the idea of actually trading on the yuan, the, uh, uh, the Chinese uh, currency. Uh, as opposed to the U.S. currency, which will be a huge economic um, blow, uh, which
2: would seem to be tied to the first headline.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's happening right now, like right now that's going on uh, in talk. So, I mean,
2: yeah, hence they send Biden's call to voicemail and Yeah, it seemed to be the devaluing 30% of the dollar was tied to some oil deals. The headline is exactly what I saw. And listen, I want to reiterate, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I believe that there will be a victorious church. We will rule and reign with Christ in in the millennial kingdom, the kingdoms of this world. Jesus is Lord now. He will rule and reign literally on the earth. I believe there is a victorious eschatology, but to pretend there won't be a few bumps in the road in between this, the way of the earth, the way of Cain, violence, aggression, uh, the way of the world for the last 6,000 plus years for that to be brought to an end without a bump in the road is probably unrealistic.
1: I think that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, very, yeah. very good way of putting it. So we've got we've got that one. Then another thing that you called out that I, I just want to revisit a couple of these because I think they really need to be uh, they really need to be just bracketed because people tend not to have long memories. Sometimes they don't even pay attention. But uh, you know, in in the year two thousand, we had the Camp David Accords uh, when President Clinton was in office. And this at least moved toward a two-state solution. It it didn't fully embrace it. But in that time, the president was was basically leaning on Israel to give up land for peace. And this two-state solution is always about that. There have been other times since then when the Palestinians have walked out of such conversations. Not so much because the Israelis were digging in, but because they didn't wanna see Israel be the other state. So they, they just literally wouldn't go there. But in the aftermath of the US pressuring, um, pressuring Israel, we, we had a couple of major hurricanes which hit the United States. Now was that divine judgment? Some would say yes, some would say no. But the point is, you, know, you were talking about this two state solution and something that seems to follow which is this major earthquake and It's very foreign to much of the modern mind, but it remains true biblically that God controls the weather, God controls the destiny of nations, and I don't even like to use the term God because that's a noun. Jesus told us to call him our Father. Our Father controls the destiny of nations, and our Father controls the weather. Our Father controls all of these things, and if it pleased him in his divine purposes to try to get the attention of people who should have been paying attention and weren't that i would say is on the list of things that he might use if it were consistent with his will we don't dictate that but again we need to have biblical thinking and paul says in your thinking you need to be as adults not as children
2: that's exactly right and i'll i'll finish with saying this jeremiah 23 is a scenario where we talked about this before we went on air Where basically there were false prophets, not false because they didn't have legitimate gift, but they were false in the sense that they only prophesied prophetic words that were supportive of Judah. And the Lord through Jeremiah said, hey, who stood in the council of the Lord? In other words, who's been able to listen into the divine deliberations? The fact of the matter is, the false prophets were prophesying Babylon would not overtake Judah because Judah, that's God's people. That's God's nation. That's, that's God's true. people. This can't happen to us. This that's can't true. happen to us. But what does history tell us happened? It did. And so we love America. We want America to be restored back to. Our founding principles, Judeo-Christian value system, but 60-plus million babies slaughtered in abortion, not overturned yet. Um, we are going down a wrong path. And, and, I, and this, this isn't just me. Polls are showing right now 70-plus percent of the American people think America's going in the wrong direction.
1: I don't, I don't think there's anything more we need to say. You know, we are, as it were, waking up and smelling the coffee. Um, your dream is a, is a powerful one. It certainly makes us think, Chris. Um, we, all, we know that we know in part. We prophesy in part. We dream in part. Um, some things are changed through intercession. And so if we pray for America, we may see an outpouring of grace that will avert some of the kinds of things that you've spoken of. But I think, I think your dream is a worthy one. And uh, for those who've heard me teach on the abomination that causes desolation and the timeline to 2040, um, you'll, you'll certainly recognize that what Chris's dream uh, speaks of is very consistent with all of that. So I'd, I'd say we're running on parallel tracks in a lot of our thinking. But I guess we've been going about an hour, so it's probably time to at least land this plane maybe we'll uh, have another one of these sometime soon, but I really want to thank you. I know you're incredibly busy with your new responsibilities, and I really want to thank you for taking time to be with us on short notice today, because I just messaged you and said, hey, could you jump on a podcast? And here we are.
2: Yeah, I apologize if if I wasn't clear in my thinking. It's been a long day for me, and I'm sure it has been for you, but I think we got across what we needed to, and and uh, we love Ken Fish and we love Grant as well. And I appreciate you having me on.
1: Well, we'll do it again. And Grant, got any closing remarks you want to make?
0: No, I'm just, uh, I'm so glad we can make this happen. And I, I definitely think that this deserves another look into, uh, into some of the things that we sort of uh, touched on again. So, so Chris, I hope you'll, you'll come back and join us uh, at another time and we'll, we'll dive into some other areas and topics.
2: Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right.
0: Well, thank you guys. And and thank you for listening. We look forward to, uh, to seeing you right back here next week on another episode of God is Not a Theory with Ken Fish. God is Not a Theory is a podcast of Orbis Ministries. For more information about Orbis Ministries, go to orbisministries.org. If you have questions you'd like to have Ken answer on the podcast, please send us an email to podcast at orbisministries.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. It's Julia with Orbis Ministries. I just wanted to let you know that if you'd like to learn more from Ken and connect with others in the Orbis community, You can download the Orbis Ministries app on your Apple or Android phone. On the app, you'll find a free teaching archive, a conference schedule, and an internal messaging community. A link to download the app can be found in your description. Thanks so much. God bless.